and welcome to IRL Pod, the most relatable podcast in the entire world. I'm your host Brady and each and every episode we're going to sit down with a guest who I think is living an interesting real life. Michelle. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. So we've been friends for a long time. So this intro could go on quite a lot because I know a bit about you, which is really cool. But I will just say right now you're working for Community Links Wellbeing, doing bushfire relief for people very sorely needed in Australia, um, financial aid, uh, holistically healthing them throughout their whole life, whether it's mental health they need or just gathering up some furniture, that sort of stuff. Um, but you previously worked at Pathways with St. Vincent de Paul, helping youth and other people in crisis situations that needed it, um, and just doing a, a list of jobs that are all very compassion-orientated since I've met you. Um, what would you add to that? So the list, yes. The list. So the list is very long. Mm. So the list of my uh, my so-called compassionate career. That's what I'm calling um, it. I the think compassionate that's, career, yes. I think that's yeah. fair, That allows it? me to have compassion fatigue, which I threaten my family with on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I sort of started in in this, in this that field, in what was in those days, because, you know, it was a while ago, the welfare field. I started off working in youth refuges a million years ago. Um, well, I think that still shows. When I got lucky enough to be roped into that, um, you, the kids always had something bad to say about at least one caseworker, and I'm sure they said it about me when I was in the house. But All the time. Never had anything bad to say about you, which was hilarious. Cause yeah, like, it cost me a lot in bribes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, I learned the way to a teenager's heart. I think that... <laughs> Money ex- and fast food. That experience has definitely, like, done well for you. Yeah. you you've... um improved upon your skills like down the line so that's where you first start is it yeah so I, I first start so I went away I, I went to uni and studied um in what in the good old days was social work it's a bit of a bit of a, uh, a nasty word these days you very rarely admit to having a social work background um but for me it was great because it was generalist it was a, it covered a whole range of things so it actually allowed me to come out of that that study and learning um with a bit of a passion around doing a whole range of things and having that very holistic view of the world um, and to me, that's been the, the cornerstone of anything I've ever done work-wise has been you've got to approach it holistically. You can't just look at one aspect of someone's life and say, oh, I'll fix that. You've got to actually work with them across the whole the whole board or nothing sticks and nothing sustains. So I... Um, and that I, would have made you probably a little bit of a, a, a bit different to everybody else in your field back then, well, I imagine. Well, interestingly, at the time, probably not, but certainly as... Things progressed, yes. So yep. when I first studied, and, and I have to tell the story about where I, where I studied. So I, I um, picture this, I did very badly in my HSC, failed miserably. Really? Were you too busy Absolutely. cooking? <laughs> no, I was too busy having a good time, truth be known. Um, there <laughs> like was far it. too much um, external activity going on to actually focus on school. So I, I failed miserably. And, but in the, they were the good old days where higher education was free. And they had a fabulous thing called second intake. So if you didn't hit the first rounds by getting the numbers, they, they, they were scrabbling to fill the numbers because everything was based on government funding. So if they didn't fill oh. their quota, they didn't get their full funding. So that really played into my benefit. And I, I'll never forget it. I vividly remember it was five days before the, the university term started, which in those days was end of January, not March as it is now. It's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard life, I know you lead. 
And I was at my younger brother's swimming carnival. I was all of, i just turned 18. I was at my younger brother's swimming carnival. My mum was there and I had, there, I'd received a phone call because there was no mobiles. I'd received a phone call to say you've been accepted a second intake at Riverina College of Advanced Education, which is now Sturt University, Charles Sturt oh, University. Okay, yeah, cool. So I can vividly remember saying to my mum, well, I've got this opportunity. She said, well, you'll take it, won't you? And I went, well, yes, of course I will. So yeah. that was that's what set me on the path. Up until then, I'd wanted to go to ANU and do Asian studies. So I had oh, wow. Yeah. So I got into the community sector um, and got into social work. So um, we had a we had five days in which to get me from Sydney to Wagga because that's where it was based. Oh yeah. I had no license. <laughs> I had mum and dad had no money. Did anyone have a license back then though? Well, all, my, all the all, well here we go. All the guys did. Very yeah, few okay. of the girls did. All the guys did, but none of the girls. Um, so, so um, mum and dad shoved, shoved me in the car. We had, I had, didn't had no idea where I was going to be living or staying. There was no room left on campus because everything had been booked up in the first intake. So we arrived at Wagga at the student union building, and there I am with my parents. And for some bizarre reason, they had a my aunt and uncle came too. They must have been visiting from somewhere, but they were there as well. Just convenient. Just show, convenient. Show some support. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we are with the, with the dad station wagon full of my, my belongings and we go to the student union building and say, here's our daughter. She starts uni on Monday. Um, we need some accommodation. <laughs> we're going to leave her here on your floor if you don't find I her somewhere. I wish that was a joke. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah, so cool. they said, we've got this notice board over here with people who have got rooms in their homes. And we literally went and we picked a room, That's picked a one of the notices. Different that, that, level of safety yep. from today. <laughs> yep. Picked off one of the things, this young couple who looked to be, you know, a nice young couple on paper. Minimally creepy. Yeah. Well, I didn't, there were no photos. It was literally their yep. name and address and how much it would cost. Um, and we rang them on their landline because, again, no mobiles and no emails. <laughs> we rang them on their landline. Um, Mum and Dad dropped me off there and they went back to Sydney and I stayed. Oh, okay. So that first spot. That was it. Cool. So, yep. But... It was, but Fantastic, and and please don't for a minute think that that's any reflection on my parents not caring about me or anything like that because it was, it was just time. it was a different time, and yeah. and and they had no choice. Yeah, they had no choice. So um, and you're an adult by that stage, right? I was eighteen. I yeah. just turned eight. I was eighteen. Yeah. I was eighteen by three weeks, I think, by that stage. Okay, so a kid um, but an adult. Yeah. yeah but uh, but the best part, the, well, I don't know about the best. In hindsight, the best part, and at the time it was pretty good too. The best part about it was that that was the year that the ag the Wagga Ag College. And the teachers' college had amalgamated for the first time, which oh. then became the Riverina College of Advanced Education. We don't have them anymore. And then in more recent times, well, I think 30 years ago now, 20 years ago, it became Charles Sturt University. So I was thrust onto this campus of these two warring factions. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Yeah. So it was, it, was a very, it was a very rough and ready um, baptism. Um, but it was great. It was, you know, they were, they, were, they were all great people. I had a great time. And I really enjoyed the subject matter and what I was doing. Yeah. So at the age of, so I went there for two years, two and a half years, three, three years it was, I think, the degree. And at the ripe old age of 21, I graduated. <laughs> yeah. And my first job was running a youth refuge Ooh. in <laughs> North Ryde in Sydney. And it was based in the old water pumping station on Ride Road, which was this fabulous old house. If I had it today, I'd be renovating the, the shit out of it. But It'd at be 21, fantastic. you're suddenly in charge of these kids Absolutely. Who, that, I mean, but I was full of 21-year-old piss and wind. I thought I was fantastic. Years, 
you know, I had three years studying, I'd done, but I'd also done, I'd done six weeks of a practical a prep. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. What are you talking about? I imagine there was some <laughs> amount of partying in those three years as well. Uh, some. Well, the other highlight of those three years was I actually had a job. I had to get a job because mum and dad could afford, afford to pay my rent mm. and everything else I had to cover, which is fine. So I got a job in the bar. Yep. Now every Thursday night was union night, and in those days the student union was. Everything was great because it, everything was very heavily subsidised. And the band rotation was Mental as Anything, Dragon, Cold Chisel, Australian Crawl, yeah. <laughs> In Excess, you name it, any of those. That's really Midnight cool. or, you know, any of those bands that were around in that mid to late 70s, that was their, their thing. So we had, um, so I got to work behind the bar, get free drinks, get paid <laughs> and watch these bands and then play pool with them afterwards. So life was pretty good. And then you look forward one year and you're taking care of kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Came sure. Came the best grounding ever. Um, so we, I, I landed the job. I'll never forget, I landed the job and, and on the Saturday they said to me, right, now you need to, um, we've got no money for furnishing the place or anything. We've only got the money for your salary. So the next day I put an ad in the paper and for the first two weeks I spent going around with my dad. We'd hired a ute, at my expense if I remember correctly, um, picking up furniture that had been donated to furnish this place. So they hired you for a job without a without yeah, a venue was. kind of. Yeah, well, they, they I had the venue. They had, had the walls venue, and a ceiling. Had the walls and a ceiling. <laughs> it was a fabulous venue. And then the other kicker was that they didn't have enough for full-time salaries, so there was myself and, another part, and two other part-time workers. And I used to work a split shift, so they couldn't afford to do a 24-hour coverage. Yeah. So I used to work seven till twelve in the in the morning, till seven till lunchtime, and then I think it was three till nine in the evenings. Oh wow! So picture this: this big <laughs> old house on Ride Road, uh, with young people aged from twelve to seventeen, roughly, uh, and a worker there eight of those hours. Yeah. It was, it was. There was a few holes in walls. There were a few holes in walls. There were a few times. And, and you know, here's where my parents are amazing people. My mum's an, an ex-nurse. And um, there were a couple of times where I had to sort of say to mum and dad, I had my, had my license by this stage. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> mum, can you bring your medical bag? We need to go over. There's been a bit of a fight. We need to go and this <laughs> yeah. out. Um, but, you know, essentially we, you worked through it. And, and I think if I if I'd went back, I've often thought that if I'd been 10 years older, I would never have taken the job. But at 21, I was full of my own self-importance. I thought I could do anything. I, you know, I had the book learning. I was great. <laughs> um, so I just jumped in head first. But that's kind of cool, though. If you're, you, you can't be prepared for that anyway. No. Um, and they were great kids. And those were the days where what they used to do was regularly round up the kids out of the cross, put, stick them in a refuge somewhere in a suburb for six to eight weeks and then be oh so surprised when at the end of that six to eight weeks they would then go straight back to the cross because that was where they were comfortable and that's what they knew that's all they knew and that you was can't familiar. reform 18 years or Ab- 17 abs- years of life absolutely in six weeks. absolutely yeah. so um so that's where i cut my teeth yeah. and then i stayed there for about 18 months and, oh, and then i went back to wagga i went back to do i got asked to come back and do a bit of extra study so i did that and whilst i was there they just opened up a brand new youth remand center so you think you know me, Brady, but there's a whole heap of stuff you know, that you've there. never heard. Um, but this is great, though, because these these stories and the beginnings of them, especially when you are in those environments, for a lot of people, that's shocking to hear, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you're dealing with kids fighting kids and, oh, no, that's violence and blah, blah, blah. But when you have that background, God, you're resilient for the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely. And it <laughs> certainly set me up for 
the challenges I've had in later life. There's yeah. no question, both personally and professionally. There's no question. Absolutely. Yeah, and and cool. the thing I have to say about every kid I've ever worked with, in the main, they're pretty good kids. Well, that's just it, been, right? Who's had a shitty life, you know. That yeah. there's, you, you get the very, very, very occasional one that you just know it wouldn't matter what happened, their life was going to be a mess. Yeah. But in the main, these are kids who just want a life. Once you see what they're going through properly, once you're there, not just mm. hear a story of it, you, you your empathy goes up so high Absolutely. and you can stop when when i had uh <laughs> last year two kids got into a fight out the front of my street which is funny because i have a quiet street with a church across the road and so you've um, got to watch those church yes <laughs> and these two kids they got into a fight and they went crashing through my fence and i was mad about it but it was easy to go oh they're just idiot kids like mm. we, we call the cops and they're like, oh you want to press for malicious no just because make the ram- sure the kids because get you know home. what the ramifications of that are. Nothing good. No. They just get mad at the cops, mad at me. Yep. They don't, you know, turn things around. But, you know, somebody tells them, sit still. They're like, what I am annoyed about is our law doesn't allow for, like, my perfect end to that situation is they come help me fix it. Yes. Yes. Um, but that's not what the law makes no. happen, which is a bit annoying. Yeah. But Well, unfo- the law can, but unfortunately for that to happen, you have to press the charges. Yeah. Which sort of circumvents... It sort of being, messes up their being, life it, for a little and, while. And it messes up that notion of if we, you know, it doing something proactive um, and restorative. Yeah. Because you've got to go through that whole penal system and, and the impact of that once you're in that system. Yeah, it's, it's, know, it's lifelong. It's an absolute it's, mess. It's pretty horrible. And when I was at the Remand Centre, that was a classic example. It was, again, I had this thing about brand new places. So brand new Remand Centre. Everything was new. Did you refurnish this one too? No, this was government funded, so it was lovely. It oh, was nice. Beautifully furnished. No renting your own. So new. the first thing we had to counter was all of the criticism from the community about how dare we spend all this money on these young thugs. So that was always fun. Oh. There's plenty of that. That that's, that 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 goes with that goes with the territory regardless. That's always the case. But it goes back to what you were saying about until you know and have some degree of empathy or understanding, mm. you don't get that historical piece you don't get that understanding of, of why young people yeah that empathy you can't read it you can't be told it you have to live there yeah yeah, um, yeah. and then you were obviously I, doing that on like a baptism by fire and i agree and i have a great believer in the fact that if you if you give it doesn't matter whether it be a young person an old person an in between it doesn't matter who they are if you provide them with substandard stuff yeah and stuff that's not cared for or not been respected they're not going to respect it no. If you give young people an opportunity, anyone an opportunity to access things that are, are realistic and are, are um, have been respected and have that meaning, then you'll get that they, they will respect it in turn. But you've got to give them a reason to do it. Yeah. Um, so the Remand Centre was great. I loved working there. And these were young people ranging from this. This you'll enjoy this. So we, you'd have anything from young Aboriginal kids who were there because they'd stolen lollies from the corner shop. Yeah. Through to um, other other young people who perhaps had kidnapped someone <laughs> and threatened to punch them or kill them or whatever, um, all thrown in together in the same space. Oh, good. And other kids who were just... That's helpful. Who were just kids who were in those... It, it, today we'd probably give them a diagnosis of ADHD or something else. Yeah. But in those days they were considered uncontrollable. And in those days, if the courts, if, if your parents or your carer took you to court and had you declared uncontrollable, you could be put into a remand centre. Oh. And all that happened in that process was that you learned how to be a better type of criminal. 
Yeah. That's all that happened. Well, because you're going into an environment with other experienced Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a really interesting mix and they're all in together. We had a um, <laughs> we had a day a day release work program where the kids had we had bikes and the kids had um, get on their bikes and go off to do their their day day of um, work and um, the deal I had with them I probably shouldn't be declaring this on in public but the deal I had with them was if you want this to continue you don't abscond so if you want to go if you want to, if you want to run off do it at night after dinner yeah you make sure that when you leave here at ten o'clock in the morning you're back by three because that's the time frame they had because it's an honor yeah. system and if you don't come back yeah you'll only ruin it for yourself you ruin it for everyone else. Yeah. And I didn't have anyone abscond in that time frame. They'd go after dinner. We'd get them. They'd come back. It was yeah. dark. No dinner. They'd I come back. I think that's part of it. You've got to expect that, I mean, maybe it's horrible to do an extreme comparison, but when you have drug addicts, you have um, relapse as part of going of through course, it. Of course, yeah. And it's the same with any bad behavior any or behavior. any negative behavior. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you, you slip. It's the nature You're of human beings. Mm. But for some reason, we expect kids like, oh, you should just be perfect from the get-go and it's yeah. just not how it works no, no. and that's how we set pe- that's how we set young people up all the time society yeah. sets them up all the time so that was that was that was a really interesting so that were my first two sort of forays into um into young people and then i um where did i go then i oh, then i moved to canberra canberra yes right and good old canberra you'd have thought no no problems there oh and yeah I, sure no, nothing like a bunch of politicians kids yep. to just be a perfect environment well, the problem with Canberra in those days, and, and I, don't, I don't know that it's the same now, but this is this is thirty years ago, um, is that Canberra there was such a, a strata of socioeconomic issues. Yeah. So you had huge government ha- tracts of government housing areas. You had hugely rich suburbs where the where the politicians and associated public servants lived, and then you had because you everyone always thinks everyone in Canberra is a public servant. Well, there's a whole lot of services that you need yeah. to have to support public service so it was a really broad range and we actually ran um did did street work what we called street work it wasn't prostitution but it was yeah. actually you might have needed yes, a better name that's what we called it um <laughs> where we would actually go and work with kids who are living on the street and go out and spend yeah. just catch up with them and chat with them and and run drop-in centers and so you know and then that was the time when all of those those teen movies like pretty in pink and ferris bueller's day off oh uh, yeah all of those things were the so we'd run drop-in this centers the beginning of the our movies. youth obsessed culture absolutely. really absolutely it? it might have actually worked in your favor back then yeah. which is cool yeah so we yeah. so we just worked with young people and i was actually working for the ymca of all people they employed me as a, a youth officer and youth uh, officer. a youth officer did you get a badge I'm yes, sort of, but you'd yeah. be pleased to know I refuse to wear it. Oh, As you'll note that on. I still to this day refuse to wear a badge wherever I work. I have a whole drawer at home full of different badges of where I've worked and I don't wear any of them. I would love to do it just, just to be like a smart ass about well, it. Well, I didn't though. get a gun. I didn't get, a, didn't no, get any sort of handcuffs. So there was no fun. I wasn't a real on. officer. <laughs> um, so I did that. And then I, um, then I took some time out and I went overseas for three years. <laughs> As you do. I think you probably would have needed it by then. Yeah, probably. I... Um, I was 23, 24. Maybe Around there, Just yeah. turned 24. Given and um, I had, a, had met a fabulous um, couple. Of, I think you've probably met Trevor and Beth. I have, and, yeah. yeah. Who are this amazing creative couple. And Trevor and I had worked together a lot in the, um, in the uh, youth space, ran run programs together. Anyway, they were going and I'd spent a lot of time with them and their family. They'd become a, sort of a surrogate family. In Canberra, I sort of know about that. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, they ended up. Um, they were saying, "Said, oh, we're going to China. Do you want to come?" So, off I went to China. There were ten of us, and oh, wow. we spent. 
five weeks, five weeks in China. And they, it had just been opened up. So it was very much, yeah. um, you had to go and you couldn't travel on your own. You had to go in a group with a, with a guide. Um, that would have been very cool though. Oh, it was amazing. Like, as opposed to a lot of the Asian countries we go to now today, they're very tourist ready. And yeah. they think, well, I don't know if they think, but it, it, it appears that they're trying to cater quite heavily to us, which defeats the purpose of traveling because they've made it as Western as they can in some spots. So and, and that must have been really cool back it then. It was really cool. The joy, I, I like to say very clearly that, that I went to China before there was any any foreign fast food outlets there. There was nothing. Yeah. So there was just... But they had done, they had done the best to do what they thought they needed to do to accommodate to so-called Western needs. <laughs> so so we, we, we arrived at, at this place in Shanghai and it was, the, it was billed as the new big hotel. It was called the White Swan. Of course it was. And it was meant to be a two-tower, oh, about, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 storeys, really big, right, rising out of the rubble, literally. Um, and the, we said to them, we got this, they said, we, there were, we thought there were two towers. They said, oh, no, there's only one. And we said, well, what happened? To the, what, why not? And, they, and we, they pointed to the right. Oh, no. And the other one had collapsed. <laughs> so then you're staying in this one going. So we stayed in the other one. Um, and it was hilarious. It was beautiful. There was, and one night we came in after dinner. And we were walking up the stairs and we went, it's a new water feature. And there was water just cascading down the grand staircase and all these sorts of things. So oh. it was right. They had very much taken that American tourist ideal of what a hotel should look like and be. And there they were. But they were had no their, idea how to do it. In their uniforms and their pants were always too long. So their pants were always rolled up and the guys used to wear <laughs> Sanitation wasn't fantastic um, in the streets. So men used to often wear um, shoes with a built up like a sandal with a built-up heel to oh, keep okay. their feet out of the mess. Yeah. So it was just this hilarious juxtaposition of this ancient life and 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 communist China. Yeah. And this so-called this 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 need to become this Western <laughs> ideal, and it was hilarious. And you they they you get into breakfast, and they the Western breakfast, which we gave away very quickly, would be um, bread in inverted commas, and it was cake because they. Cake. They didn't. Well, they don't make bread. They don't have bread, so they would take and, and and you'd toast it. So there'd be smoke alarms going off and smoke everywhere because, of course, the sugar content. Yeah, they would just so burn. After about day two, we just stuck with the congee. We just had the 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 yeah. the, the Asian food, which was much nicer anyway. Um, so it was a really lovely. It was a, I was very fortunate to have that opportunity to go and um, we travelled with some really interesting people. One of whom was one of the Brown brothers, as in the Brown brothers wines. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. Peter's died since, but I'll never forget. Peter arrived, and I think he probably had with him three pairs of blue stubbies, are the shorts that blokes always wore in those days of a certain age. He would have been in his maybe early 40s, and singlets and T-shirts, yeah. very sparse clothing, but he had a suitcase full of Brown Brothers wines. So wherever <laughs> we went, we had fabulous wine. <laughs> Back when you could just travel around yes, with all that yeah, much Yeah, he literally alcohol. took a suitcase of, of, of wine with him. Um, that's awesome and and in you know in latter times one of my biggest regrets of that journey I think I've had this conversation with you before there was a woman who was on that tour who'd been a holocaust survivor Mm. and I wish I had understood um, more about her journey because it would have been I would have loved in in hindsight I'd loved to have actually had the opportunity she may not have wanted to but have a conversation with her about it is hard when you collide with things before you're 
maybe not mature is maybe not the perfect word, but for you, you've grown enough to be ready for it. And it does feel like a missed opportunity yeah, as you get older. Absolutely. We can't I, regret I, them because it's, oh, no, it's not our fault. No, but, but I think, it, I think, and I think the reality was I just, ha- I had no, I, I knew all about the Holocaust, all that sort of stuff. But again, I had no concept of the impact on the individual. Yeah. So it was a different thing. I had the historical background, but the war was done and finished. So yeah. aren't you okay now? It was it was it was that sort of approach, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. you can't really, yeah, that that is a shame. But at the same time, you can't regret that time. That's oh, not no, no, I mean, I don't, it's not a. But I would have loved that opportunity to have shown her the respect. Yeah, of us, and I've definitely the right time. collided with people at an age where I just was not ready for mm. it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And fortunately, I think you'll find um, most of them are actually quite patient. Yes, yeah. So yeah. they, most people who you've, you know, you wish you could have spoken to and experienced a bit more. Um, but you're too young maybe to do that. I'm sure that they're just going, ah, they're just... And, and look, the other side of that is she may have all been quite relieved that no one wanted to speak to her There's that, that too, that she yeah. could just get on and have a holiday. Um, so we had this fantastic time for, for a period of time and then we got back to Hong Kong and the plan was that I would fly, they would all go back to Australia and I would fly off and I sat in a hotel room at the YMCA, the YWCA actually it was, in Hong Kong for two days and YWCA. cried. YWCA, yeah, And cool. thought, oh my God, what have I done? I can't do this. And then I thought, well, I've got two choices. I can just do it or I can go home. And so I decided I'd just do it. Yeah. So I went off and spent the next two and a half years traveling around. Oh, really? Yeah. What was the, how did you do any of that? Um, I just did it. Yeah. Look, I think in some ways I think it was much easier because there was no contact with home. There was, there were, so in in those days when you traveled, you took traveler's checks. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was none of this taking a card a visa card that you could use anywhere. You had traveller's checks that you have to either cash at the um, at a, a bank or at a hotel sometimes or at the American Express office. Right. So the American Express traveller's checks. And you'd go to the American Express and they'd be in denominations of 20, 50, 100, whatever. And you carried those with you. And then you'd go and get, you'd cash one and that's what you'd live on. And that was also how you communicated. So you'd, you'd get... Your parents would send you letters or your friends would send you letters care of the American Express office where the next place you were going to be was. Oh, okay. And that's how you'd... That's kind of easier in a way. It was kind of, and, and there was no concept that it wouldn't work. And you would have grown so much more independent oh, like that. Well, you just had no choice. You just had to. Yeah. So I jumped on a plane. So what did I do? So I stayed in Hong Kong. So then I decided, oh, I'll get back together and just have a look around Hong Kong. So I spent a few, about 10 days on Hong Kong, around Hong Kong, on, on Lantau Island and a range of other places, doing things like missing buses and having to walk up mountains in the dead of night because there was only one bus a day, all those sorts <laughs> of things. And then, and staying in youth hostels, because youth hostels were fantastic mm. in those days. They're quite different to what they are now. Now they're yeah, a bit of a money-making venture. They were quite different. Um, so I jumped on a plane to um, Bangkok with a view to uh, – my daughters are horrified at this story um, – with a view to having a couple of days in Bangkok and then heading down to Lantau Island, um, Lantau? one of the islands for a few days just to have a bit of a rest. Anyway, so I'm on the plane and I was talking to this lovely English couple and there's this lovely Thai gentleman sitting next to me, businessman in a suit, very respectful looking man. Yeah. I was chatting away and he was asking me what I was doing. He said, so how are you getting to your hotel? I said, oh, I don't know. I'll get a bus or I'll get, you know, oh, no. a taxi. <laughs> he said, I'll give you a lift. <laughs> went, That'd be lovely. Thank you. That'd well, be that's great. a different time, Michelle. You can't so, do that today. So, <laughs> and, and I don't, rec- and I can, rip, I can vividly remember this English couple sitting next to me 
just being getting more and more looks of horror on their face. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with them? What's their issue? It's a lovely man. Mm. So I dutifully got off the plane and got into this car with this man. And, uh, and he said, and we got into the car and he said to me, now, just on the way, I just need to stop in at my sister's place. Oh, dear. <laughs> and at that point, I think for the first time, I went, oh, is this a good idea? <laughs> anyway, he took me to his sister's place. Oh, okay. She cool. fed me. Yeah. I had a shower, fabulous feast, fabulous meal, met his family. Um, and then he, um, they gave me a whole lot of lovely gifts to take. And then I, he oh, dropped lovely. me off at my hostel. Yeah. And then I and every now and again you do hear those stories, which is great. Like you, you, you should always be cautious while traveling, for sure. <laughs> but well, you do hear a few a stories where it just it just works out fine. And it does depend on the country, it depends on the culture, it depends on their crime rates, all that sort of stuff. But, I didn't even think about any of that stuff, Bray. Yeah. I, I have to be honest. All <laughs> And I think that was the thing, though, the way you traveled in those days. Yeah. Is you did tend to take things very much at face value. And that's good. And I just imagine, like, I mean, you're talking about an age where wasn't that common for women to have a license when you first started <laughs> so traveling as a woman mustn't have been super common either singly um depends where you traveled right and i chose to travel in middle eastern countries so no no yeah yeah <laughs> and asian countries and it wasn't yeah. very common maybe america yeah. but not so much no. yeah. american england were pretty traditional but um so we so i spent some time in 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 thailand then went down and spent um, a Koh Samui it was Koh Samui sorry it's old age I've been there Koh Samui yeah. well I bet Koh Samui now is yeah, a bit it's different, very different to when I was there I went for a wedding and it was it was a lovely place lovely people yeah. but it was very touristy and yeah. they had definitely changed it from what I could see so picture this four hours on the ferry to get there yeah that was the only way to get there and we had to fly somewhere and then fly there yep yeah. so we got the ferry um, there were probably three so-called resorts that were there. <laughs> this is, that's all there was when I was there. <laughs> but they weren't resorts. They were, um, they were a series. It was fantastic. There was a series of, of grass huts. Yeah. Of huts. Or, I shouldn't say grass huts. They had grass roofs, but they were proper huts with timber. Um, littering the beach. And that's yep. where you stayed. And then there was a, a big building at the back where you could go and get a meal if you wanted to. And I vividly remember going up and then making a big thing about giving over my passport and all that sort of stuff because that's what you did. Yeah. So handed over all my traveller's checks and my oh passport God. and all that sort of stuff. Didn't think twice about it because that's what you, just what you did. Yeah. Um, walked around the back of the building and it was made of thatch. Oh. <laughs> so, but it had this, it was fantastic because the front of it, there's this huge iron door. They had this huge thing about opening up this iron door, putting all these passports in and you go around the back and it's all thatch. Hilarious. Yeah, sure. Hilarious. It was great. Pretty well walk through it. It was pretty yeah. well walk through it. But look, again, it was fine. It was great. So I had, you know, had a lovely time. From there, I went, where did I go from there? there, there I, and then I had arranged to meet up with a girlfriend in Turkey. Yep. Uh, no, sorry, in Greece. So I wound my way to Athens yeah. and got to the American Express office and there was no no note from her, no word from her, oh, no. nothing. And I'm thinking, oh. You can't pick up the a right mobile da- No, no, Facebook. nothing. There's nothing to be yeah. done. So I thought, that's okay. I thought, it's it's the morning. I'll be fine. There'll be, there'll be hotels in Greece. I've got traveller's checks. I've got money. I'll just do my own thing. There'd be a fair amount of English-speaking people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, there was always someone. And, and yeah. people were lovely. You know, if you – and to this day, whenever I travel, it, it, if you are genuine with people, they're genuine back in the main. You know, you yeah. just have to be sensible. Um, but if you believe in, in – if you believe that things are meant to be – so I walked out of the American Express office and it opened up into a piazza and they had lots of coffee 
vendors and things. I thought I'll just go, I'll just go and collect my thoughts. I've got, you know, I'll go and grab a coffee. Had a couple of letters from other people, so I'll read those and then I'll decide what I'm going to do. So I'm sitting there and I thought I'll just go over and I ordered my coffee and I turned around and sitting next to me was Tim, who was Alison's partner. Oh. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, we left all this stuff for you and we didn't hear from you. And I said, no, it never got to me. And he said, well, we've actually just bought a ferry, a ticket to go on the ferry to Rodos and it leaves in 10 minutes. So I went and got a, picked up a ticket and off we went to Rodos. Oh, okay. And then we travelled for the next six weeks together through, no, we, the three of us did Greece for the islands for about three weeks. Yeah. And then Alice and I went off to Turkey. So why, why didn't we just, you get the stuff? It just, just didn't, didn't happen. Just yeah. didn't happen. It was just, and then there was no, it, they sent, they sent it. I didn't get it. They didn't get my inf- I'd sent information to them. They didn't get it. Oh, okay. So it was clearly meant to be that we were meant to meet up. Yeah, cool. So off we went on the boat. So, cool. and then Al and I spent six weeks in Turkey, six, 12 weeks in Turkey. And that was, um, that was interesting. Yeah. That was interesting because as she was short and blonde. Yeah. So they loved her. Yeah. I was tall and at that stage quite, had been out in the sun a lot. So I had quite dark complexion and dark hair. So I could get away, you know, I, was, I wasn't quite so obvious. Um, but it was a really interesting time. It was a really interesting time. Turkey was spectacular. I think it's one of the few countries I just know, like, next to nothing about, if it's not war-related. Yeah, you know, no, Turkey is... itself was just beautiful. The people were lovely. Look, we, we, we had experiences that weren't fantastic. Did we set ourselves anywhere. up for that? Possibly. Uh, I mean, you haven't expressed a um, huge priority of safety thus far. (laughs) But I think that was because our safety had never been compromised or threatened Mm. in reality. Um, And we would usually find, what you would find in places like Turkey is you would find um, an older gentleman or an older woman who would take you under their wing and care for, you know, make sure that you were okay and give you information. But we did some some interesting things there. We, um, we, we, We caught the bus across the middle of Turkey. And it was um, Ramadan, and I'll never. We, we pulled into a, at the bus station. This was an example of someone who really helped us. We we pulled into the bus station. It was about eleven o'clock at night, and he had very limited English. But he said, "I'm going to lock you in the um, office." And we went. Sorry, what? Why are you going to lock us in the office? He said, well, he said, "Well, because you're two young women who are travelling alone." He said, "And my bus is full of men." Oh. He said, "Whilst we're moving, I can protect you, but if you're." If I the, the next leg of the bus, the next bus won't be here for three hours, and I have to go and do things, so I need to make sure you're safe. So he, right. which was lovely, you know, yeah, very yeah. kind. I mean, he's still looking out for you. Yeah, and he's, he's absolutely. So in a way and, that sounds intimidating, yes. but it's it's for your good. Yeah. But uh, and then we're on the so that, that was fine. So we got back on the bus and we're on the bus and we're talking to this young bloke who um, was in the army, who was rather cute, probably <laughs> a couple of years older than us. We were both pretty excited by that. Um, and he's, anyway, he invited us to come and visit with his family for Ramadan. Your your concept of safety is not... <laughs> it's a different time, Brady. Yeah. So we said, yeah, I should write a book. He said, he's, we said, yeah, sure. So we, um, he wrote, I had a, he had to go back to the, he had to go back to the base. So he got my, he said, I'll ring my, he didn't have, he had broken English. He said, I'll ring my family and let, or let them know that you're coming and they'll meet you at the bus stop. He said, and he wrote. <laughs> you show up at this guy's yeah, house. Yeah. And he wrote into my um, travel guide, I still got it, his travel guide, the address and instruction to the driver to let us off at that point. Right. And had a conversation with the driver. So we did that. And again, we're sort of, oh, it's pretty exciting. This is great. And it wasn't until we were sort of on the bus going, oh, 
Hmm. Oh, well, we'll just see what happens. So the driver dutifully let us off at the bus. Yeah. Um, and his younger sister met us at the bus, um, who was just adorable. She was about 10. Oh. Just gorgeous. <laughs> took us up to the, to the, out to the farm. It was a farm in the middle of nowhere. Took us out to the house. Um, You're still not worried. <clears throat> still not worried. Well, a bit apprehensive. No, worried, no. Maybe a little bit sort of nervous, but only about the fact of what do we say and what do we do. Yeah. Well, More yeah, about broken English. How do I, I you know, how do I behave? What do I do? Where do I go to the toilet? That's always a big one. Yeah. You know, because it's not, it's not European. Um, so all of that stuff. And his family were fantastic. He never made it home. He got queered to stay on base all weekend. Oh. So we spent Ramadan and the celebrations with this family. And it was just the best experience. That's they so had cool. this fantastic farmhouse that was out in the middle of nowhere. Um, had flat roofs and on the top of the, the, the roof was covered in Turkish rugs that they were weathering. And we slept up there. That's where we slept. Um, and I've got photos that to this day I look at very fondly of us you know, threshing the wheat with them and grinding it for breakfast and cooking the breakfast and... Slaying the beast for post Ramadan, and we had oh, to, yes. you know, we got the prize testicles because the whole village came for that meal. Oh good! Um, but it was just yeah, it was just it was a fantastic experience, and I and I feel really sad that people don't get that opportunity as readily because I don't think we were I don't think we were unusual in <clears throat> having access to those things. Yeah. Um, but it was great. I think these days people are very worried because the world's smaller, and even though. Even though crime is probably a little bit rarer than we actually think, it's a very loud voice. Yes, thanks yeah, to social yeah. media and news outlets yeah. and that sort of thing. It's um, and, I think and you should be safe, of course, but but the world tells us we can't, and we're kind of missing out on some things. Yeah. Um, and I think the the innocence was. I mean, these days you would have a translator on your phone. Yeah, and so you'd end up. So it would take away all that innocence. So all, I don't like that. I, yeah. As much as like maybe for a convenience store quick thing yes. i don't know if you're trying to get a sandwich or something but for actually communicating with people in a bar or something oh. I, I think you would learn far more and i think you would have far better time even though it might be frustrating just having a go though i did have a very funny funny night about oh, three four years ago my husband and i went um to um went back to china to so i could see how to change was yeah it four years ago now three think, years ago yeah as well yeah. i remember it and roughly. um I said to him, let's catch the train. Now, Bob, as you know, is not yep. perhaps the rougher that I am. He would like a bit of luxury. Yeah. So it's okay, I'll book us a sleeper. Yeah, we'll okay. S- so we were catching a train from Shanghai to Wuhan. Unbeknownst to me, the first class, first class sleeper on the Chinese trains means that you share mm. with, another, with two others. And two others? <laughs> so it's a moving hostel. It's a moving hostel. Um, he was horrified. Uh, only I was only allowed, let off when he realised there was both a Western and traditional toilet on the train, so I had some leeway there. But getting back to the the um, the phone piece, there were the, we we shared this cabin with these two young men, who were just hilarious. Uh, they thought we were equally as hilarious, and so it was this fantastic banter. But they had a translator, yeah, on their phone. We didn't we didn't even think about taking that. We we're old. We didn't think about that. But it was fantastic. But so in that environment, it was great. So yeah. we spent the whole night asking really stupid questions. So, to each yeah, other there is definitely on. some benefit. So that was but, that was that was that was fun. But when it comes to submersion or immersion in other people's cultures, I think yeah, it's, no. it's a bit more. No, fun you to better. Just have I think a go. submersion is better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cool. All right. So where do you where do you go from there? No, so then I can't. So we're back. Where am I now? I'm back at. I'm back. I've come back. Some Greece, Turkey. Oh, and then I. So then I did. Where did we go? In Turkey. Then we go. In those days, there was this thing called the Wonder Bus, 
and we we went back to Greece and we caught that, and it was a bus that went back from Greece to London. It sounds like a Harry Potter thing. It like, does. Doesn't it? it wasn't. A, it, they did, they drank a lot more than on Harry Potter. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we did that, and then I landed in London. Al went back to Australia, and I found myself a job. And what were you doing? Oh, working in a bar. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, um, traveling. Working in a wine bar in Notting Hill. Oh, nice. So you know the movie Notting Hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that scene where he walks up the road, in the thing, it, and they play the whatever the song is. The wine bar I worked in was just off there. Oh, and, that's quite cool. And and the guy I was um, seeing at the time had an apartment above there, so. Um, we, yeah, so that was where we were, and and um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty. It was a, a pretty amazing place to be. Um, and then I got another job at another wine bar, and I met my husband. Yeah, I met Bob. And uh, two weeks later, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> I'm my complete lack of surprise. <laughs> like, um, I'm very Bob. pleased to know. I said. No, I need to think about that. I'm not ready. So three weeks later, I said yes. <laughs> so you just you've been travelling around everywhere. You stop in England. Yes. You meet your husband, mm. and in three weeks, you're engaged. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah. And then um, you don't get stories like that now, though. No. Like, and look, oh, you there... do if you watch Married at First Sight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, we were the original forerunners. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I mean, for good reason in some ways, but also like, there's a great end to your story. Yeah. Well, it's not ended, but like there's a great, it goes somewhere yeah. fantastic, yeah. which is just really cool. So we, um, yeah, so then I, and. How'd you I, drag him back here? He loves his comforts and his luxury. Yeah, but he, so London wasn't, wasn't for him what it was for me. Right. <coughs> London for me was this exciting, vibrant place. It was where he lived and worked and life hadn't necessarily always been. Hmm. You know, so, so we decided to, um, so nine months, so nine months later, and there was no baby attached at yeah, the end okay. of that, can so I just, just say? Yes, time. it was a random time frame. Uh, nine months later, we came back to Australia to get married. Yep. Uh, we got off the plane to be met by my father whistling. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't seen you in a couple he didn't of years, quite has say, he? It's been, been nearly three years, yeah. He didn't yeah. quite say cooey, but it, there was a whistle. And poor Bob got inducted into the Australian way of life very quickly. He reckons he's never eaten so much lamb in his life because everyone decided that he must <laughs> want to eat meat. So we ate and drank for three weeks and got married in... So we arrived early December, got married on the 2nd of January. Best wedding ever. I'd, I'd literally just faxed Mama a, a, a guest list and we had it in their backyard that's beautiful. Um, and it was just this big party. It was lovely. We had to leave because apparently the bride and groom have to leave at some point, which is stupid. A, I don't understand no. wedding traditions. No. I never no. have. Half no. of them I'm just so confused yeah. by even today. No. So luckily, Most of it seems to just be about embarrassing as many people as oh, you can. I know. I know. I and, and spending a huge amount of money that's completely yeah. doesn't need to be spent. On one day stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So but that's all right because most of the people that we wanted to hang out with were staying at the same hotel as us that night anyway. So it was oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then we went to Queensland and it doesn't, please don't think it was at all romantic or nice because we had no money. So we went to Queensland to my brother-in-law's aunt's place in Mount Gravatt, which like is nowhere Bob, near the Bob's beach. Bob's brother? No, no, no. Um, Dave, my sister's husband. Oh, right. Yep. My brother-in-law. 
We went to their family, his aunt's place, who happened to be away. I think she was probably at the beach. Um, And while we were there, Bob said, I don't really want to go back to England. Can we stay? And I went, absolutely. Um, So we stayed. Yeah. So we didn't go back. Um, And timing-wise, fortunately for us, we both left jobs. We both rang our... I was at that stage. At that time, I was working working with long-term unemployed in a training environment. Because um, I got in, in Queensland. No, no, that was in in London. Oh, yeah, I was London. doing that. Yeah. Um, but we both rang our bosses in London and said, "Look, sorry, we're not coming back." <laughs> I oh. Imagine that wasn't great for you. You're you're in a industry uh, no. that's about helping people, no. and he's in a. I mean, he's, he was he's in always sales. Yep. played high stakes. Yep. Yep. Financial. But stuff, at least so. it was on the other side of the world, so no one could give us a hard time. Well, yeah. Luckily, can't. his par- his family were here for the wedding, so we were able to tell them face to face. No. And. Um, and we stayed and yeah. we had the most idyllic and we still both look on that that first couple of months where we had no money my sister and her husband had lent us their their moke californian bright yellow it was and we spent that summer you know driving to the beach coming back sitting on mum and dad's back deck drinking beer and playing backgammon and just sit, catching oh, up with all these people and just that's how you get married was, isn't it it was fantastic <laughs> it was much better than any sort of fancy honeymoon um, it would have been some amount of stability for you as well after it was, three years no, of was, yeah. and, and it was just nice to catch up with everyone and, and see everyone. And, and for Bob, it was a great introduction to yeah. a different different way. And then um, we were just we were also very fortunate because he's an English citizen, obviously. Um, so he had to get a job. Yep. Um, so he fronted up at the um, uh, what are they called the place where you go to get your citizenship um i don't actually know i haven't had to do that <laughs> what was it oh, God, it'll come to me i'm old i'm getting it's either the brain's it, going it'll be some version of an rta yes, situation yes. anyway we yeah. fronted up and um they said oh yes it'll you'll get your, your visa it'll take a little while was that the post office no 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 because no, i got no, my no, passport no, at the post office to, no the immigration department that's where you've got to go oh, that's right. no immigration that's department of immigration that's where we went and I wouldn't even know what that is. Yeah. Well, it's because you're an Australian citizen. You've never had yeah, to front up. So he... Um, I almost had to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, the first time I went to travel, I didn't have a passport. Um, it's, it's rather difficult to obtain a passport if you don't speak to your parents. Yeah, that's, one of that's the, technical, yeah. One of the requirements are that you, you have one of their birth certificates. One which, of your parents' birth certificates? Yeah. That you got to prove that not only you, despite having all the school records and medical records in the world, one of your parents are a citizen. You have to prove that. Um, and I was like, well... How old were you? Because when I went to Japan was my first international. So that was, I think I was 23, 24. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think at this stage I was studying to be a PT. So like I was also registered in an education thing. And you had and a birth certificate. Had a birth certificate. Had a lot. No. Um, it's a ridiculous system we offer. Already. It's not great, yeah. So I started asking what was what was the consequence of if I couldn't get one, and the, yeah, they said I would have to take a citizenship test, which I'm I'm pretty damn sure I'd failed. <laughs> by I the way, would, I would absolutely, absolutely. Um, like most Aussies, I know not much about Australia. Um, mm. So that was yeah, quite that was intimidating. So yeah, no, I almost had to know about the immigration department. <laughs> Luckily I don't have to. Um, my sister ended up getting a hold of my mother's birth certificate and sending it to me. I sent it back, but yes, <laughs> so, so, I managed to get a passport that way. That's and right. I've just got to make sure I never let it elapse. No, absolutely. Cause just that could be it. quite horrific. Yes, it could be. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so he went to immigration and, and, and they said, look, it'll take a while. Look, and, and, it, and, and it was a sad indictment of the times that because he came in as an English, English background, spoke well, well, had a strange accent, but spoke well, um, knew what he was talking about, was organised, they were more than willing to bend over backwards to help him. Oh. And I question whether that would have been the same yeah. if I'd met someone in Turkey and that's, come home with them or someone yeah. in, you know, and that's, a, to me, um, that's just a sad indictment of our system. It is. He doesn't really have an accent anymore. No, he did then, though. Does it upset him? No, I think, <laughs> I think he quite likes it. Anyone, yeah. anyone he sees from England, anyone from England will say to him, whereabouts in England are you from? Yeah. So there okay. must be certain things that he there rounds out. There are a couple out. words yeah. that I hear. Um, and a couple of his expressions, but no, it's because um, he's, He's been he's been here thirty years now. Yeah, and raised two daughters, so 30, 35, yeah, fair yeah, while. Um, it's a long time, a lot of exposure to a lot of people. Yes, yeah. And he said to them at the time, he said, "What if I get a job?" They said, oh, "Don't worry, mate, you won't get a job." What? He's in a hurry. He said, "You'll be fine." He said, "It'll take a couple of weeks." He said, "By the time you get it through, then you can." Anyway, Bob being Bob went out and got a job the next day. Yeah, he's, um, he's not very good at sitting still. And rang this bloke, and he said, "Oh, okay, I'll vouch for you on the phone." <laughs> Um, and, and we're off from there. So, you know, we were both, we've both been really fortunate in, um, I started work as a family counsellor with, um, in Bankstown and I worked with, um, Lebanese and Vietnamese street gangs. Bankstown. So you went down to Sydney. We were living in Sydney at that stage. Yeah. yeah. So we we went to Queensland for our, for our honeymoon. honeymoon, Far too, far too sweaty in Queensland. Far too. Oh yeah. That's gross. I lived there for nine months. I couldn't do it. So we came back to Sydney and... Found ourselves a flat at Lane Cove, and then um, Bob got a job. And ironically, we both ended up working at Bankstown, yeah. um, and did that for twelve months. And then we moved to Canberra. Canberra, I didn't know that. Mm. I thought because you, you had just moved away from Sydney when I met you. But yeah, obviously there's like yeah, a, no, no, still we, a twenty year gap between. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we went we went down to Canberra. I got a job in the public sector, working as a um, staff counsellor for Department of Health. For the federal public service, Bob was working selling into federal government telecommunications type stuff. That was where he first started doing his telecommunications stuff, and we were in Canberra for oh, it all blurs a bit, but I think probably three years. Yeah, and then we moved out to Bungendore, which is about half an hour outside of. The, well, I've been there at the yeah. antique auction there with a the company yeah, once. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were there, and then that's Not where much there. <laughs> we moved to we moved to Bungendore. Um, well, Bob and my mum. Went out and bought a house the day I had Charlotte. <laughs> it sounds like. Does both that of surprise them you in any exactly. way, shape, or form? No, no. no. Um, and then when I came home, we came home from hospital. We moved out to there, and then we were there for uh, four years. And then we had a year in Melbourne, <laughs> my year of eating and drinking. Yeah. Because that's what Melbourne is, and oh, you just had one kid, fat as a fool, so. <laughs> just ate and drank. My wife, it was fantastic. Our only, <laughs> the only people we really knew well in Melbourne were part of the um, the gay community. So we did a hell of a lot of drinking and a hell of a lot of eating. Yeah, and because um, that's what that's nineties now, isn't it? Yeah, nineties now. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite a lot of. You've lived for a few very, and I mean, maybe this happens every decade anyway, but changing of type yes, socially yes, yes. you've lived for a fair few of those we have yeah which is great it's really yeah. exciting and then we ended up back in and then we we came back to sydney at that stage um both the girls were school age yeah and we made the decision at that point to stay in sydney so they could finish their schooling 
Okay, so you're just going to settle down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because we would quite happily move every five minutes, as you well know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we felt it was really important. So when we moved back to Sydney, we made sure that we were close to my sister and my parents so that they were, they could be close to family. Yeah. And it was lovely. They, they got to go to school with their cousins and hang out with their grandparents and do all those things. And oh, that's cute. It allowed them to form some of those bonds that yeah. continue on. Doesn't work if you're moving somewhere every couple of months. No, no. And, and we'd always said that we would end up in the Highlands because we wanted to be halfway between Canberra and Sydney effectively because that was where the bulk so of our did, network was. How did you find this place? Like, how did you find the Highlands? Was there someone living here or you just... No, we just really liked it. So you just kept travelling between I Canberra think, and Sydney, so... I think for... And we used to often meet friends from Canberra in the Highlands. Yeah. You know, we'd always meet at the White Horse Inn at Berrimer for breakfast in in the day or we'd... It used to be so beautiful. I can't wait till it reopens. Exactly. I, I don't know yeah. what it's going to be. Oh, but... who knows? It's going to be an art, uh, art gallery. Oh, okay. A couple of things as far as I'm aware, but I'm not quite sure when. Yep. Uh, and then we... Um, and or, or we'd just be here on weekends because it was logical to meet friends that we'd had from Sydney, uh, from... Um, we'd come from Sydney, they'd come from Canberra or from Bungadore and we'd meet there. So yeah. there's this logical place. And I think for Bob, it, it certainly, the Highlands was very evocative of home, of, of England. I've wondered and, that. And whilst he didn't necessarily want to live there from a, um, be living there all the time, he loved the environment and the country and those sorts of things. Yeah. So it was so a I nice... haven't been fortunate enough to go to England, but I, I do feel like we're pretty... There land, are landscape wise, there's yeah. going to be yeah, a lot there, of... There, there are similarities. Yeah. So... So that's how we ended up here. Um, which is around when I met you. Yeah, that was cool. six. So that was six years ago. Yeah. Six, because we, yeah. And six, the, the kids ago. were adults and you were yeah. ready to. So we, we moved and left the kids in Sydney, but they followed. Didn't take them long. Didn't take them long, no. They I, just missed you. Oh, I know. What can I say? Big mm. house. Well, it's your cooking. It's the cooking. It's the food. It's which always, we haven't touched on at all. But it's the food, like, it's you, food you, in my alcohol cupboard. Well, that's what it is. Let's be honest. <laughs> obviously, living in all these different countries influenced your cooking somewhat as well. Yeah. Which is really cool. So, and, 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 you know, there's a whole lot of career stuff we haven't talked about there. I've been in and out of a whole range of different things. I think things and... if we magically managed to cover your entire life in one hour and a half, <laughs> it would be a little sad, but also yeah. it would it would be missing a monster amount of detail. Yeah. So we're definitely yeah. not going to get everything in. Um, so we, you were Where doing... Where would you like me to go now? Well, from Sydney to Canberra to Sydney <laughs> and then down to the Highlands. In amongst all these, what are the different jobs you had? You can just list them off rather okay, than go so... through in detail. So I, so let me think from, so I was working, did return to work, did a, I was a return to work coordinator for a company in Canberra. Like insurance or like um, mental health or like? Well, everything really, but in those, those were the good old days where um, I worked mainly with the federal police. So oh, okay. it was about getting feds who had, who were off work for a range of reasons back into the workforce and doing those sorts of things. Um, and so I quite enjoyed that. And then so I decided I'd go back to uni and do my, um, workplace rehabilitation counselling degree. Oh, okay. Um, which I did. And then started working in workplace rehab in Sydney and quit after about four weeks because it was so completely different to what the opportunities I'd had in the Commonwealth system. Yeah. Um, so it was much more, much more about how much getting someone back to work irrespective of the reasons why. Um, and it was much more dollar-driven um, yeah. It wasn't about the holistic, the holistic piece. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it sounds similar to how the um, the workers' the current system, yeah. insurance system sort yeah. of works, unfortunately. So I left that, uh, and then I, and then just to, so for something lighthearted, I joined Docs. 
And, oh, yeah. And, you just thought you'd settle down for a second. And did some child protection work for a while. They do get a bad rap. I'm sure they do some, some good work. They do some fantastic work. Yeah. They do some fabulous work in really, really shitty situations. Yeah. My husband refers that to my as my baby snatcher phase. That's... Because I that was... That sounds so... <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty horrible, but, you know, often we did have to go and remove children yeah. for a range of reasons. But... Removal didn't mean that you removed them completely. It was removal for a short period of time yeah. and then reinsertion back into the family as soon as you possibly could. Yeah. So it was a really interesting program, a, a really interesting process for me and, and a good experience. Um, and then from there I, I sort of took a, I took, a, took a little bit of time off and then, then, went, then decided, to, you know, woe is me, I've, I've been out of the system for too long. No one will ever employ me. I've got no skills, all that crap that you go on with. Um, anyway, I landed a job with a training company. Right. who delivered training to the disability sector and the community services sector. So I worked for them as a trainer for a period of time, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I got poached from them, went and worked for the Australian, Australian Institute of Management. They asked me to come and work for them as a sales in their sales team. So I sold... That's quite the poaching. It was quite the poaching. So I then went and sold... Um, Corporate training to a whole range of people. It was hilarious <laughs> and loved it. It was great. You know, it was, it was, they were so both is, great. This is why you're actually good at dealing with these things. So <laughs> like, I've, I've never been, I'm notoriously awful at anything with a structured corporate system. You do this to do this to do this to yeah. do this to this. And you've watched me struggle with it yeah. like every time I have to yeah. interact with these people. But for you, it just comes. It's just, it's I'm just, sure there was it's a just, learning curve. It's purely it, a process and a system. And once you know that, yeah. but the key to all of it is just treating people like people. Yeah. Because if you... I think that's why I don't like it. It doesn't feel like no, that when you're but filling you have, out the fifth form. Exactly. And, and you just have to accept that that's just the process. Yeah. That there's a person behind that process. And if you can get to that person, then you can start having that conversation. Yeah. And just that, as the long form as it's not just, calling Telstra. It's just the process. Fine. But even then, you can you find a way. It's a game. Yeah, you just smash the hash button. Someone will answer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so that for a while, and then I got poached back by the training company um, to manage that company. So I went back as their general manager. Oh, wow. For a few years, which was, which was great. That was really, really cool. Um, and then I ended up going and working for another, another training company who, who, um, who employed me because I wrote them that, so that when I was working at the, um, in the training organization directions, it was called when I was working there, um, these guys approached us about taking doing some training with us and I basically just said, look, here's the opportunity and they didn't capitalise on it and lost a whole heap of money. And when I, I wrote them a letter just to say, look, just, you guys just need to be aware that there was this great opportunity that you didn't get for these reasons because I thought it was important for them to know. So they rang me and said, do you want to come work for us? <laughs> I love so, so many of these stories, like if you were telling a friend, I feel like there'd be a lot of judgment, like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And they go, don't do that, you idiot. Like, no, you just do it. Whereas a lot of the people I'm talking to, there's a lot of that. No, yeah, I just did it. Just um, Nathan, I had him on a couple episodes ago. He's a chef. Um, and he was saying he would just eat at a restaurant and be like, huh. And he'd just walk into the kitchen and yeah, ask for a job. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think I've definitely lived my life that way as but well. Doesn't, as, but does that not come back to what we were saying about the person? Oh. So if you actually make it about people yeah, and about... People will hopefully respond. And about respect and about opportunity, then people will take that. Mm. But if you just, you know, wipe it... And I just thought, you know, I, it was important for me to let these guys know that they were missing out on a whole piece of business 
make no skin off my nose, <laughs> but they were missing out off on a whole piece of business that they could have could have taken. Such a fantastic move. I love it. If you were 21, that wouldn't have worked. It, probably not. Possibly not. No. You may have been yeah. slightly more aggressive. Yes. <laughs> but no, yeah. I was. I, I was in my four, mid-40s. Yeah. So yeah, I was a bit older. Um, so I went and worked for them for a while. I ended mm-hmm. up running their Melbourne, Sydney and um, Tasmanian branches. And it was funny. It was a funny time at home because Bob was also working for a Melbourne-based company. So he would do a week away in Melbourne and then come back for a week and then I would do the following week. For about 12 months we did that. Oh, wow. And um, I would stu- I would dutifully cook all these fabulous meals for him and the kids. <laughs> and I um, would get home and finally they all confessed that, no, the meals went in the bin when I wasn't there and they went and ate out every night. <gasps> so I gave out doing that and that is what I said, do what you like. I don't care. It's your, oh, you know, it's your thing. You're the ones who have got to manage they? this. You're going to have to give them both so, hell for that. So I um, just cooked. But they all wanted food, me to cook when I was home. So we did that. But So it, it's, you know, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. We've done lots of really interesting. And then, and then, I, um, then I ended up going to Vinnie's. That was, and that was after that I went, no, where did I? Oh, yes, yeah, so I left. When, when we moved down here, I left um, Franklin Scholar and picked up. We had decided to move to the Highlands, sold the house in Sydney, done all that crap. And then I decided that it would be really great to get back to some community-based stuff. Yeah. So I applied for the perfect job in the Highlands, which was running the homelessness services. Only required me to be in the barrel, the Windsor Caribbean Wallandilly LGAs. Perfect yeah. job. Um, so I did that, which is great. In the process, after three months, oh, about six months, I did a restructure. Yeah, of course. Anyway, the upshot was they offered me a job at head office in Woolloomooloo. <laughs> so yeah. I ended up back in Woolloomooloo for three years, uh. um, which was great. And I that, really enjoyed the, it. Is that when I met you? That was when you met yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, because you were involved down here, but you were yeah, certainly traveling. not. Yeah, yeah travelling backwards and forwards. Um, and then um, they very kindly gave me a redundancy. Yeah. Um, and that's when I took the opportunity to start the cafe. Yeah. Because that was the other thing that I'd always wanted to do. We had a good crack at that. We did have a good crack at that. I was fortunate enough to be involved there. Yes, that was, it was, it was such was, a fun... It was fun. I love the environment that it set up here. It was everything you stamped straight on a cafe, <laughs> which was really cool. <laughs> you know, kids running around and it was, it, was, it was just, yeah, it was a very family, fun, feasting environment. That, yeah, that and that was always the intent. Christmas every day sort of thing. And yeah. I was very fortunate to do it at, an age, at, a, at a time when we had the financial capacity not to be reliant upon it to... Yeah, didn't to, have to, to make be money every, from day everything one. that um, which because it could have been quite different. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was a great opportunity. And I was so fortunate that I had you know a daughter who was prepared to do that with me and support me in that, and um, it was it was good fun. And I you know I am sad that it's not there, but you know fires and fires and floods and COVID. Yeah, it's been quite a ride the last um, couple of years, and smaller cafes have taken a beating. Absolutely, and I don't discount doing it again at some point somewhere. You know, that's. Uh, love the idea of a little beach one that you open yeah. until you sell out yeah. of everything and yeah. then go out yeah. into the waves absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah so after bread and bowl we get back to the where we started the story with your introduction you're um doing bushfire relief stuff uh which is a really i feel like i've i've dimmed down the importance of what you're doing but it's it's <laughs> a really really cool thing that we need in this country and i'm guessing that will probably lead to further work with covid relief stuff where you're just helping out these people who have unfortunately lost a lot yeah, look, I think it's interesting. The The bushfire stuff um, came about from... So Resilience New South Wales, which is the 
the new organisation that Shane Fitzsimmons, who was very much the face of the bushfires, is heading up. And they saw the need to provide ongoing support for people who are impacted. The beauty of our service is that it it, it supports anyone who was impacted in any way. Mm. I think, unfortunately, we tend to think about fires as being if, as, as those people who, this horrendous term, suffered total loss. Um, but it impacted huge numbers of people in, in a range of ways, and that's not to diminish the impact of a total loss, but there's also the person who now doesn't sleep at night because whilst they saved their home, they spent days and days fighting it and waiting for the next oh, tranche Businesses were and gone. All of those things. People lost their businesses. They lost their income. And when you then attach to that the year that we've had with COVID, yeah. it's, you know, it's, quite, it's been quite the year. So we've been... Very fortunate in our contract was extended last year, so we're here till December this year. We work with a, we work across the Wallandilly and Winch Caribbean LGAs. Um, and fun fact, Wallandilly uh, is, is a huge LGA and we actually last week went to visit some people who live out on the, the Kolong stock route. That's not close. No, it's <laughs> not. So you go to Taralga and then you drive another two hours from Taralga, um, a lot of it on dirt. Um, to meet these people who were the only, one of the only two permanent residents in that area who were, they saved their home but lost, you know, all of their fencing and all of their mm. life was destroyed. So it's a really, you know, you meet the most amazing people um, and also see the breadth of, of issues, etc. And you're also dealing with so many different agencies. So you've got national parks, you've got uh, local land services, you've got all of the, um, the charitable organisations You've got the government organisations, you've got council who are trying to um, meander their way and, and find a way through this. You might not have to deal with our one much longer. No, exactly. <laughs> well, that may not be an issue. Um, well, no, we still will because the, the, the processes somebody. will still continue. Yeah. Um, but I think councils have to a degree gotten a bit of a bad rap in the bush, post-bushfires because they too are dealing with a completely unprecedented event. I uh, think um, our one is probably copying it worse for doing up their chambers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, they, they, these are the things that communities, what, what in, in five years' time when they're looking even shabbier and awful, the community has a, has a bags the council for yeah, not for having it. Yeah, So it's, it's got to be contextualised and you've got to well. be... No, they can't. They can't. No. And please don't think I'm at all supporting the way the councillors are behaving. But in terms of some of the staff, um, you know, we work very closely with them and they're, they're doing their job. They're doing what they can yeah. to support people. I think that some of the, the, the biggest tragedies around the fire are that, you know, for some, it, as of December last year, we'd only had one person across both LGAs who had moved into their new home Ooh. post-fires. Um, yeah. And I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but... There was the, the, the figures are quite astronomical. The numbers of people who lost buildings and out, outbuildings and homes. Well, I remember going down the mall and seeing all the people with their pets and little carriers Absolutely. and just camping out there. Yep. And we yep. ourselves had uh, my partner's parents. They they live in Willowvale, so we had all their stuff. Yep. And her her brother, we had all their stuff from Collarvale. Yep. So we just had all these emergency things that people, yep. uh, precious things, photo albums and passports and stuff. Um, there was a huge number of people affected, either Absolutely. very directly or indirectly. Absolutely, um, yeah. And, and I think, I think for many people, a lot of people have sort of said, "But how come? You know, how come people haven't gotten over it? It was twelve months ago." Well, I <laughs> sure, think, you I spent think in, twenty years trying to make something. Yeah, and I think in reality, for a lot of people, they were waiting for this summer mm. because there was a real fear that it would happen again. Yeah. Um, and they were holding their breath, and then we got to this summer, and it's 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 it didn't happen again, which is fantastic. 
Um, but it can take that long. The trauma that people are experiencing can take that long for them to actually get to the point where they can think beyond. And I said, imagine if you well, lost anxiety, everything. anxiety, they're always holding your breath waiting. Absolutely. Especially when it was so sudden. <clears throat> it wasn't, we didn't, it went on a long time. But it we did. didn't get much warning every time something was bad. No. And it became a way of life. It was, it was, it was annoying it was very, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. It's raining black leaves yeah. that are on fire yeah. and people can't really fully grasp what that is actually like. Yeah. And we were very fortunate where we are, but not everybody was. No. Um, and it wasn't just a one-off incident. It was, it, it was, was as you say, it was daily it was for daily. a long, an extended period. You didn't know if period. you were going to work or not. You didn't know mm. if you had to be at home. You didn't know whether you should have, we, we're unpacking and repacking the car. Yeah. Uh, buying extra goggles and hoses and stuff like it was it was a long, long and there's time. some real insensitivity around it too because people you know we've had people say to people well but you're so lucky you're getting a new home <laughs> well the context of that is a little different Jeez. if i'm selling a home because i want to buy a new home or build a new home that's one thing mm. but if i have to build a new home because the home i loved and lived in and housed my life has been destroyed it's going to affect you forever there's not a lot of joy in that it's going to affect you forever. You're not going to want to love the new one too much, just in case it gets in taken out. In case it out. gets taken. But there's um, also the things, and what we find impacts people most, though, is the little stuff. So it's the thing that they'll be doing something 12 months later and go, I'll just go and get, oh, I don't have that anymore. Mm. Or I'll just go and find that, oh, I don't have that anymore. And everything becomes a major Yeah, you remember activity. the time we did this at the house? Yeah, absolutely. It's just black smoulders now. Yeah. Yeah, so we spend, we spend our time, um, my colleagues and I, out walking alongside people and talking with them and just supporting them. We have no money attached to our program, but we're very good at beg, stealing and borrowing and yeah. and seeing what we can find. Finding um, what they have. Okay. And finding out what people need and what they want. There were, you know, some people were insured, others weren't. Um, it's very easy, I think, to judge someone who didn't have insurance. Very but if easy. you think about it in the context of all the other financial pressures they may have been experiencing and the fact that they may well have fought fires three or four times previously. Yeah. So there's a false sense of security around, I don't need that insurance. And I think, yeah, insurance, at least uh, for me, the, the education around it is, is quite low. The most, most of the people talking to you about insurance are the people trying to sell it to you. Yes, so, you yeah. so you're a little distrusting right off the get go. So yeah. whether you're going to continually renew them when nothing come when, when nothing occurs yeah. yeah i don't think you can judge people whether they go for it or not no. i know when i first had a car i didn't know for years i was driving around rather uninsured i just yeah. had the legal one not yeah. knowing that if the, i ding we, and murk that's me for the next exactly 20 years. <laughs> exactly like, no one actually gives you that fine print you, well um, you don't understand it fully no. they just um but yeah fires in your home like it's it's very easy to make that judgment yeah. and really unfair on that person and you other, don't know what else is going on. And the other reality, even that I don't, there's no one that I've, we've come across who's who's fully insured, no. because the cost to rebuild, given the new circumstances, or the cost to replace, or the cost is, you can't possibly remember everything that was in your shed. No. Or you can't possibly remember everything that was in every drawer in your house. And trying to fill those sheets out in the first place is a nightmare. So. And the cost of rebuild has gone up so much because now we have to fireproof things and now we have new yeah. bushfire. I've learned a whole new language in this job. Bushfire attack levels and all of those sorts of things yeah. now have to be considered and your premiums go up. And so it's it's there's no one. No one yeah. um, has come at it with, it with enough, whatever that might mean. Yeah. Well, um, that's a wonderful job. All right. Well, why don't you run us through... 
um, the things that have stood in the way, because you've got an overwhelmingly positive story of like all those scary moments where I think you've had a few people on the edge of their seat going, what happened? And then it was fine. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure some stuff has happened here that um, you might want to impart on other people uh, and say, you know, watch out for this or this was in my way and here's how I got over it. Because obviously you've, you still face things in life. We all do every day. Um, but you've gotten over quite a few. You've climbed a few. Look, I, I, yes, I would hate to paint a picture that life has been rose-tinted glasses. I do, as you regularly tell me, have a tendency to be quite positive about life. There's nothing I, wrong with that. No, 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 I agree. I'm, I agree. I'm a cynical ex-emo kid. Like yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I have worked with people like you before. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... And it's interesting, I, and I don't know. I don't know whether it's. I've, I've thought about this a lot. I've, I've turned sixty this year, and I've thought about this a lot. I don't know whether, whether it's for me, it's about selective memory, or extreme naivety. But I look back at where the challenges have been, and I, you, they do become diminished. I guess for me, the challenges have a lot of them have been personal challenges around feeling feeling good enough, or feeling able, or feeling. Um, willing I I'm actually this is gonna sound weird I'm actually quite a shy person (laughs) um and I wouldn't say that feels weird actually because like planning to get you on for this Mm. one of the things I was most excited about is you know you know someone for years you learn a lot about them but there's a lot I don't know yeah and that's mostly because like yes you're outgoing but it's trickery. Like it's it's your yes. counselling. I don't realise how often I spend time with you and then go away going, damn it, I just talked about <laughs> myself for three hours. So you're wise to my, you're wise I'm aware to my of it. ways now. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm aware of it. It doesn't mean I'm yes. always very good at being able to um, even it out. So one thing I was very excited about with this was actually getting to hear these things yeah. because you, you sneakily get me talking about myself. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's my greatest defence mechanism. Yeah. Always has been. Um, my children will tell, regularly say to me, stop being a counsellor. Yeah. Stop trying to tell me how it is. I'm sure it um, drives both of them insane. <clears throat> it does. Um, but, you know, that's also my role as a parent, to drive my children insane. I think, yeah, so I think... Isn't I, that the pleasure? It's the ple- <laughs> well, there is the pleasure in it as well. So I think, yeah, I think for me, part of it has always been, um, I see my strength being in those skills. Yeah. And so the utilisation of those. Um, yeah, look, we've been married, oh, I can never remember the number of years it's... Over 30, 30 something years. <laughs> you don't you don't have thirty years of marriage without having some really great times and some really crap times and a lot of just in between stuff in the middle. Um, and there's been plenty of that. Um, I would suggest that you know it took us. We married very very quickly, mm. um, and we loved each other, but it took us quite a long time to like each other <laughs> because they're often quite two different things. Yeah. Um, and that just gets that. No, I'm going to be positive here. Um, and that just that that continues to grow, which is lovely, you know. And, yeah. and, and I see that as a real bonus. Um, but certainly, we've had, you know, certainly have we've had lots of challenges in the family. Uh, you know, mental health is never far from the door. All of those things, and we just have to find a way to. Um, someone's hooning up your street. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite a lot, isn't it? Um, but it is just about putting one foot in front of the other. And where someone, I think you've got a jet landing. Yeah. It's gone. It's finished now. Um, for me, when things are difficult, for me, it's about just putting one foot in front of the other. 
for me, work has always been a really important part of my life because I think that's given me the structure to get through the, the other stuff. Um, I, and I probably, hide, as, as you've quite rightly said, I probably hide behind that quite a lot. I, d- I didn't it, say hide. No, I do. No, <laughs> so I do. You, no, well, that's the so truth. You I do. No, no, I hide behind it because it's, it's safe. Yeah, it's easy. You know, I'm not, you might have got me on a, another time to talk more deeply about myself. I don't do that very often. <laughs> it, it is a challenging thing. It is a little bit harder to do. <laughs> But it is about, and I think you know, I, I grew up as as a youngster. I was I was the fat kid. Um, and 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 you know, people would say, oh no no no, no I was, I promise, <laughs> I'll give you the photos. <laughs> I was, I was that child in an era where being that kid was was been, not really acceptable. Yeah, it would have been a lot less common yeah, as well. Yeah, and um, I can remember when I was in primary school, I was in what was then sixth grade, because I went to high school when you did two yep. lots of six. Yep. Not the weird stuff you do now. Um, well, K to 12. Yes, it's oh. just bizarre. So I was in year six, and I can remember going to my my, my gorgeous parents taking me to Weight Watchers over the school oh, holiday wow. period. And mum came with me, and my dad used to do fun, fabulous things. Like he would, he would get lollies and soak the sugar off them so that I could eat them. I didn't have the heart to tell him how shit they tasted <laughs> in this loving environment. Anyway, so we did that. Lost quite a bit of weight. And I can never forget, I'll never forget coming back to school and all these kids who'd never speak to me before now spoke to me. Mm. And I think for me that was my first um, moment of, of realisation of, oh, shit, that's not right. Yeah. Why is that okay? Why didn't they I'm, I'm no different. I think what's important I wear better clothes, but I'm no different. As well is like I don't want to point out your age. That's that's a mean thing to do. I'm 60 in December. You already mentioned it. You can it, mention so. that. It's perfect. Um, I have no issue about my age. But it is like that's school and that's something you still think about or at least yeah. acknowledge occurred. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's still shaped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It has. Like absolutely. We're, we're talking about this at 60 years old. Mm. I've asked you for the things that, you know, you had to get over and that's that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite a big deal. I think <clears> a lot of people like to go, oh, that was high school, whatever. And whilst you are in control of who you are today and being 30 and complaining about stuff that happened when I was in high school is probably not overly productive. Being aware that it had an impact is important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and being, uh, being conscious of that because it also informs, you know, we talked earlier on about empathy and mm. that's what informs your empathetic side mm. is that if you block that out, then it just becomes a stumbling block. Mm. But if you acknowledge it and you nurture that memory, you know, I was a great kid. Yeah. I was really good fun. <laughs> They were the ones missing out. Yeah. But at the time, I had no concept of that. No. You know. Um, and it was, and, and I had similar challenges in high school, all those sorts of things. And, and for me, the biggest challenge has always been the physicality. Um, just because of, you know, I grew up in that era of that was the important part, the, that was all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I think it's a really important thing I think thing that to, conversation to is still only just changing and it's still oh, not even making strides. No, like, I come no. from the fitness industry and yeah. I see the... <clears throat> The horrific image faced importance of yeah so many people um so yeah it would be good if that started to change a bit more absolutely but, yeah. and, and i would suggest that at nearly 60 i'm only probably now comfortable yeah. i understand that, With that you know, which is an appalling thing i think it's a very human thing oh it's very human and i don't yeah. take any I, I, I don't carry that as any sort of yeah. burden but i do I do think it's um it, it's a sad indictment 
that we are still but and I know my friends who are of similar age nearly every conversation hmm. there will be some comment around appearance yeah. appearance body image all of that stuff well, um, yeah and it's it's not a good thing no well, but it is the unfortunate reality thank you for sharing those with us I think we're going to have to set up another part <laughs> Which is pretty, uh, I said it a couple of times, but if we could condense your 60 years of life into an hour and a half, it probably wouldn't have been a particularly worth hearing story. No, no I'm pleased um, it, I'm pleased it, it didn't, it didn't get to half an hour and go, okay, we're done now. <laughs> no, no, no. We got so much in, which is great. And yeah, we definitely gonna do more, I think. Um, and I'm sure many people would like to hear more. There's so much traveling and adventures where we've just said, and then I was there. Yes. <laughs> but I'm sure there's so much there more. There are a in few there. stories in there. Yeah. Um, so that'd be really cool, but we'll, we'll move on for the sake of your time. Um, but yeah, so usually around here, we do some plugs for local businesses. I'm sure there's people you want to thank who've helped out with the bushfire stuff. Uh, I'm going to keep mine short this week and I'm actually going to thank my partner, uh, just because right now she's sitting silently in another room and she does that for me twice a week. I flogged her laptop to do these recordings and our dining table and a room in the house and hours of her time where she has to sit in silence which just makes her just fantastically supportive. I would second that. She's yeah. a fabulous girl. You need to, uh, a woman, I should say. Yeah, I'm not actually sure she listens to these, so she might not even hear my sentiments. <laughs> but, well, um, I would hope you tell her after. Yeah, yeah. It's not really gratitude if you're rubbing it in someone's face, but I'm sure you have you some businesses tell them. that you would like to thank. So do you want to yeah, register look, a I few of those? I, look, there's a couple of things. I think for me it's about, um, certainly in the current environment, it, it's all of those people we work with there's you know there's staff members in council who we work with closely there's people in uh in, in the local in, in vinnies and salvation army anglicare all of those who are just fantastic and and allow us to bend and mold the guidelines to suit the needs of our clients which is fantastic yeah <laughs> um and i think too i you know and i wanted to actually pass on my thanks to you because i think for me over the last how long have we known each other Oh, it's got to be getting six years. Six years. I must thank my elder daughter who booked you initially as a personal trainer. That's true. And then didn't show up, so I decided the money, I'd already spent the money, I'd better, I'd better make the most of it. She's good at that. <laughs> yeah. But it's been, you know, for me, certainly, personally, it's been really valuable. Oh, we, you um, guys have absolutely surrogate family to me, so I, I don't know. <laughs> and I can lift things much heavier than I thought I could. Um, <laughs> so, um, but for, but so, and, and so to me, that's just been lovely. Oh, thank you so much. That's very, very kind of you. Yeah, thank All right. you. Well, where is, let us know, this is the crystal ball spot. I want to know what you're up to now. I know a little bit of it, obviously. Okay. So um, where you see things going. All right. So we're probably at the stage, we're at the stage where we're starting to look at that dreaded R word, the retirement word. Um, I have no intention of ever retiring in the traditional sense, but. I think slowing down's well earned. Oh, yeah, but To boring. a degree. Bit, bit boring. Oh, um, some beach life Do some hurt. other stuff. You know, yeah, but a couple of days at the beach and then, you know. Um, so for us, it's about what's the next stages. So we've just about to put our house on the market. Um, we were very fortunate that late last year we were in a position to buy, a ha- buy ourselves a house down the coast, which has been lovely and we're really enjoying being able to share that with oh, it's fantastic. friends and family and a yeah. whole range of other people. Um, we don't wish to leave the Highlands yet, but eventually we may end up down there. Don't know. Who knows what that looks like? Um, but yeah, it's time to um, actually retiring in days no. that are minus minus three is not a good yeah, way no, to live. No. I love the Highlands, but yeah, I, I don't no. think I would retire here either. Um, and our great passion as a couple is making homes and building houses, and not building houses, but redoing. So we um, finally, at our you know combined ages, decided that 
they really is what our passion is. So we're going to start doing that again. So we're, we'll cool. sell our current house and we'll buy another one and we'll start rebuilding that. And who knows, in, we may or may not. People keep saying to me, is this be your forever home? And I don't even know what that means. I don't, yeah. I don't understand the context of that. So it'll be our forever home for the time being. Yeah. And we'll love it and we'll do what we can to it. And then we'll see what happens next. Oh, that's cool. Um, no worries. I'm, you know, very fortunate. I've got fabulous family, fabulous kids, fabulous grandchild. Um, and, you know, we'll just enjoy some of that for the time being. I think it's very well earned. You've spent so much time helping other people for a living and just <laughs> in personal space, which is just really cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. It's my pleasure. It was an absolute joy. I loved hearing some of these stories because, as I said, I've, I've known you so long, but you spend so long getting me to talk about me. I never get to. <laughs> oh, see, I should do a cut podcast on you. Tell, tell your secret. Yeah, people keep, <laughs> people do keep asking. We'll have to and turn those tables. I've had a few people threaten. Uh, I had one guy try and turn some of it around back into me in one of the last interviews, which hasn't aired yet. Um, but I think what we'll end up doing is Claire and I will do one. Yeah, we nice. missed Valentine's Day. That would have been the Aww. best. That would have been a good one. But I think we'll end up talking to each other about uh, nice. each of our businesses, um, and that'll be quite fun. I'll but happily be the interviewer. We could do that as well. Yeah, yeah. We might. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to set up. Um, I have a couple coming We can call it on. the Therapy Diaries or something. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to hear all of my chaos. That's oh, that's one of the biggest things. Undersell yourself. <laughs> we, we talk about, um, you know, the polarity between you and your partner. Mm. Um, and we're very much that yes. same camp as well. Claire is a hugely organised, systematic human being, does things in an order. And I'm just walking mess. Like, it's just, it just, yeah, but it gets done. All right. Well, thank you so much thank again. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you.